This is Randy Hasman with Becker's Clinical Leadership Podcast. Here's your daily industry news brief for June 24th. First, Omicron sister variants escape antibody response more than previous strains. BA.4 and BA.5 can substantially escape neutralizing antibody responses from both vaccination and prior infection according to research from a team at Beth Israel Deaconess Medical Center in Boston. The CDC estimates the COVID-19 strains now account for almost 35% of U.S. cases. Researchers evaluated antibody responses to numerous Omicron subvariants among 27 people who had been vaccinated and boosted, as well as 27 people with prior infection. The findings showed antibody responses against the sister variants were 20-fold lower than the original Omicron strain and 3-fold lower against subvariants BA.1 and BA.2. The data indicates the new strains will lead to surges among vaccinated populations as well as populations with high levels of immunity against BA.1 and BA.2 from prior infections. Second, on Wednesday, the Joint Commission issued a sentinel event alert to turn more attention to the effects of diagnostic overshadowing and actions to address it. Diagnostic overshadowing is the attribution of symptoms to an existing diagnosis instead of a possible comorbid condition. Diagnostic overshadowing is a safety and quality concern. Initial misdiagnosis can have a significant impact on quality of life including the physical and psychological wellness of patients. Diagnostic overshadowing stems from cognitive bias. The Quality Improvement and Patient Safety Group said diagnostic overshadowing exists among interactions between clinical and patients with physical disabilities or previous diagnosis, as well as others experiencing health disparities. The Sentinel Alert outlines action items to address the issue. Some are listening and interviewing techniques designed to enhance patient engagement and shared decision-making. Third, on Wednesday, the CDC urged meningococcal vaccination for gay and bisexual men amid Florida outbreak. The outbreak has caused at least 26 cases of serious illness and six deaths among gay and bisexual men in Florida. The agency said it's one of the worst outbreaks reported among gay and bisexual men in U.S. history. About half of the cases have occurred in Hispanic men, according to a report from the New York Times on Wednesday. Fourth, studies are estimating how prevalent long COVID-19 is in adults, but little studies have explored the risk among children. More than 13.6 million American children have tested positive for COVID-19 since the start of the pandemic, according to the latest report from the American Academy of Pediatrics based on data through June 16th. That represents about 19% of all cumulative cases in the nation. In May, the CDC released a report that found one in five adult COVID-19 survivors experience a condition that could be linked to their acute affection. Global studies have estimated that as many as 49% of adults experience persistent symptoms four months after infection. The picture is less clear for kids. Here are three things to know about long COVID-19 in children. Overall, long COVID-19 is believed to be much less common in children than adults, according to the New York Times. One recent study said that 1.5% of children have symptoms after eight weeks. A different study in Denmark 
found that of 11,000 kids who tested positive for COVID-19, one-third of them experienced at least one long-term symptom. Ages ranged from infancy to 14. Common symptoms varied by age group. Children from infancy to three experienced mood swings, rashes, and stomach aches. Children aged four to 11 experienced memory and concentration problems. Children aged 12 to 14 experienced fatigue, mood swings, as well as memory and concentration issues. There's also evidence that vaccination lowers the risk of experiencing long COVID-19, but more research is needed. Still, experts agree vaccination is the best way to prevent long COVID-19 among both kids and adults, given its ability to prevent severe illness. Studies have linked severe illness to a higher risk of experiencing persistent symptoms. Fifth, the World Health Organization updates respiratory support guidelines for COVID-19 patients. This is the agency's fourth update to its living guidelines on COVID-19 clinical management. It now includes suggesting the use of three devices over standard oxygen therapy. This suggestion is intended for hospitalized COVID-19 patients with acute respiratory failure, but who are not at the stage where they need to be intubated. The three suggested devices are high-flow nasal oxygen, continuous positive airway pressure, and non-invasive ventilation, otherwise known as bi-level positive airway pressure. Clinicals can choose between three devices. Available evidence is not strong enough to indicate one device over the other. The devices are non-invasive and provide respiratory support through enabling higher oxygen flows, positive pressure, or a combination of both. Evidence shows their use may reduce the need for invasive mechanical ventilation and the risk of dying compared to standard oxygen therapy. They could also reduce the length of stay at the hospital or in the intensive care unit. The recommendation is based on five randomized controlled trials specific to COVID-19. Experts looked at evidence from COVID-19 patients as well as other patients who have experienced acute respiratory distress syndrome. Thanks for listening. Do you want more of the latest info about clinical leadership delivered directly to your inbox every weekday afternoon? Subscribe to the Becker's Clinical Leadership and Infection Control e-newsletter on our website at www.beckershospitalreview.com forward slash quality.